God. We sow this seed in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Amen. As Jesse was just uh, you know, talking about meditating on the Father this morning, I want to say amen to that. And uh, I just want to take a minute. Let's just stand real quick. Let's just, uh, let's just exalt our Father and acknowledge Him. I just want to say, Father, you are such a good Father. I'm so grateful to be able to say that I'm one of your sons. So thankful that we're accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. So thankful, Father, that we now through Jesus have boldness to come to the throne of grace, to come into the presence of you, our Father, this morning. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. <laughs> oh, we just thank you, Father God. I just pray that we get a revelation of your goodness. That we get a revelation of your willingness to just bless our lives so abundantly so that the world can see what a good father you are. Oh, we just give you praise this morning. Just pray, Lord, that we would just right now begin to create an atmosphere, an environment that's irresistible to you. That as we just praise you and acknowledge you, Father God, that your presence be manifest in this place. That this place become like the Garden of Eden, the place of your presence, where we come together this morning. Father, just to commune with you, to hear from you, to talk to you to encounter you, to engage with you this morning, to experience you, Father God. Oh, we just raise our level of expectation. We just thank you, Father. In your presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Pleasures forevermore. Everything we need is in your presence. Hallelujah. If we just learn to cultivate your presence, Father God. Oh, that you would just supernaturally begin to be able to just move in our life and meet every need, Father God. We just thank you that there's no lack in, in this place, in your presence, Father. There's no lack. Oh, I just thank you, Father God. That there's nothing that we do in order to try and persuade you or motivate you. That you're already persuaded and motivated. That it's us you're trying to persuade of your goodness. Help us to get a bigger revelation of what Jesus did. That he permanently opened the way into the holiest place. Hallelujah. That there's no separation between us anymore. Oh, that your sons and daughters are welcomed into the presence of their father this morning. Hallelujah. We just give you glory for it. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we expect. This morning we expect amazing, supernatural, great things. Father God. Hallelujah. We just set our hearts to receive the bountiful blessings that you desire to pour out upon your people, Father God, that we re receive what you've given us in Jesus, that we walk in it, that we walk in light, Father God. We walk in the light of our redemption. Oh, the, we realize the price that you paid for us to have it, that we not take it lightly. We just thank you, Father God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, we started this series last week on prayer, and like I said last week, I kind of tried to disguise what it was about with the graphic and the title because people don't tend to get very excited about prayer, but we ought to be excited about prayer. If we realized what prayer really is, we would be Very excited because it is the means by which God and man partner together in bringing things on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Through prayer. You know, one form of prayer is prophecy. You know what prophecy is? It's the will of God spoken through man so that his will can be established on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. I talked last week about how that uh, the primary purpose of prayer is is just communion with God. And I said that it's so simple what I was sharing last week that if you didn't get a, if you did, weren't paying attention you could miss what I was saying but actually communion with God is what Jesus came to restore. Was our ability to just have communion and fellowship with the Lord and to go to him uh, to to experience his heart, not just his hand. So many times believers get so caught up in just trying to get things from God that we miss the fact that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection opened the way back in for us to just come into his presence and have fellowship and communion and be restored to our Father. And uh, I was really blessed this morning Uh, He wouldn't come and share it, but I had somebody share a testimony this morning with me about how he took what I was sharing last week about just communing with the Father and that he applied it this week in his work. And as he was, uh, he's the truck driver, and as he was driving down the road, he said, I just began to to just give thanks and praise to the Father. He said, when I started praying, I had a whole lot of things that were on my heart that I was concerned about needs and things. And he said, as I just began to give thanks and to pray, he said, man, that cab just became like filled with the presence of God. And he said, after a while, he said, I didn't even have anything left to ask for. He said, I never even got around to asking because just in the presence of the Lord, faith began to rise and I realized that God's got everything already provided for me. (laughs) And, uh, So that really blessed me because, you know, what we desire is not that you just walk away and go, oh, that was nice or that was good, but that you actually take what we're sharing, uh, what we've sought the Lord about. You take that and then you, with from your heart, you apply that to your life because only when we do the Word do we experience the blessing of it. Amen? And so I am going to talk about... uh, The prayer, I'm going to talk about a different aspect this morning. I'm going to talk about the prayer of petition. But I wanted to first establish the fact that those, that stuff, petition, intercession, those are a smaller part of what prayer is all about. In fact, you can't be proficient in those if you're not proficient in just communing and having fellowship with God. In fact, everything flows out of that. Prayer doesn't begin with us. Prayer begins with God. And if you don't have his heart, then you're not able to to see his hand. 
You know, as we were worshiping, the Lord told me this, so I'm just going to share it to you. He said, your uh, experience will not exceed your expectation. So I'm just telling you right now, as we get ready to open the word and begin to, I just begin to share what the Lord has put on my heart. It's how much you get out of it isn't dependent on me. (laughs) It's dependent on you. Because how many of you know Jesus was the master teacher? And he taught many times when people walked away and got nothing out of it. So it's up to you. You're going to have to raise your level of expectation. Uh, And when you do, you'll have another experience. So the first thing that I shared, I want you to turn to John 16. But the first thing I shared last week was Luke 11.1, where the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. The first thing we have to have is we have to have a desire to understand how to pray biblically. Because we're not going to be able to pray effectively unless we know how to pray biblically. And though Jesus has opened the way for us to come in and have communion and fellowship with the Father, there are laws, spiritual laws, that govern the transference of spiritual things into the physical realm. So you ha- there are certain ways to pray for results. How many want to pray for results? Amen. I mean, you know, you can pray just to be praying. And there's a lot of people we've prayed and not seen anything happen. And it's not because God wasn't persuaded or willing or holding something back. It's because maybe we haven't understand the principles that govern prayer. In fact, Brother Hagin, I shared this with you last week, he said that a believer can't be successful in fulfilling their purpose if they don't know how to pray according to biblical principles. You know, I remember whenever I was first starting to feel uh, led of the Lord to share on prayer, I was like, really, Lord? You ain't got something else? <laughs> but I was talking to somebody this morning as well, and they were just talking about how we need to know, we need to understand how to pray so that we can pray effectively so that we can pray effectively because it's up to us, not God, to to bring an experience of heaven on earth. It's up to us. He's already, he already moved from heaven to earth. (laughs) When Jesus came, God became flesh. He came from heaven. He came off his throne and came to this world in order to reveal to us that God, the father's heart was toward us. Oh, and that he wanted to see heaven manifested on earth, that he wanted to restore what we'd lost in the garden back to us so that we could fully live in the presence of God again and experience the goodness of God. And so, Lord, teach us to pray. We need to humble ourselves, not be so filled with pride and think we know everything. You know, until we're getting the same results Jesus did, we got some things to learn. We need to realize that he's the standard and that we should never stop being in pursuit of results. Not religion, results. Because <laughs> you can just pray. In fact, there are, there are religions all over the world that they're probably more devoted to prayer than we are. But it doesn't mean they're touching heaven. It doesn't mean they're bringing an experience of heaven to earth. We need to pray not as a matter of religion, but we need to pray for results. That we see the kingdom come and God's will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. But that's going to require us humbling ourselves and go, we may not know. Lord, teach us to pray. 
Lord, teach us to pray. And he sent us the Holy Spirit so that he would help us and be able to help us to learn in his word so that we could know how to pray effectively. And Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says to pray with all kinds of prayers. So there's all kinds of prayers. And I would say that there are different principles that govern each kind of prayer. So we need, we're not going to be able to go through them all, but there's a, a few things the Lord has given me last week. Of course, this week I want to talk about the the prayer of petition, because we do have to ask the Lord for things. You know, when you're asking, that means you're depending on him. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but so anyway, there are, there are many ways to pray, different kinds of prayer. We have to understand that. Now, in John chapter 16, you know, in context, Jesus is meeting with his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. And he is telling them that a new day is coming. He's going to be leaving. He's trying, to, uh, he's trying to comfort them because he's about to leave. And then he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. You know, most people would think, well, I'd rather have Jesus here in his body. But actually, it's better that we have God here in the form of the Holy Spirit because he can be with each one of us all the time. He dwells on the inside of us. So Jesus is, is you know, telling them about this. And in John 16 and verse 23, he says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Amen. How joyful is it to ask the Father for something and then get it? <laughs> you know, when you realize that you have connected with heaven and that God has brought something into your life through your prayer, what joy comes. Amen. To realize that that, uh, you know, Jesus said in that day, what day is he talking about? He's talking about the day we live in. See, the day that Jesus was ministering to them in was under the old covenant. Is under the old covenant. That's what I was saying last week, that the Lord's prayer isn't even a new covenant prayer. It's not even prayed in Jesus' name. And he was pointing to a new day that was to come. He said, you're not going to ask me. See, this is one of the things people get messed up on. We think a lot of people pray to Jesus. Did you know that that's not right to pray and ask Jesus? Jesus came to restore and reconcile our relationship to the Father. Oh, but through his name. Oh, man. See, in that day, there's a new day. Access to the Father was new to these guys. They didn't have access to the Father. They had never had access to the Father. They didn't even know God as Father. They knew Him as Lord. They knew Him as God. But they didn't know Him as Father. Jesus came to reintroduce us to our true Father. So that we could realize our genesis, our beginning isn't even with our natural parents. Our beginning was with God, our true Father who we were separated from. And these guys, they didn't know God as Father, but Jesus came saying, my Father. And then he said, our Father. Oh, man. I tell you what. A new day. 
tell you, we got to realize we're living in a new day. We don't relate to God the same way they did under the old covenant, or we shouldn't. I think a lot of people still do, though, because we haven't really fully comprehended the new covenant and we're operating in relation to God in, based on new covenant principles. A lot of people are un, operating under an old and outdated system, and they're not seeing results, and the reason why is because that covenant has passed away. Amen? We've been given... An audience with our Father. Amen. God Almighty that we can come to and ask in the name of Jesus. And whatever we ask in his name, the Father will give it to us. Jesus said most assuredly. He wants us to be assured of and convinced of the fact that when we go to the Father and we ask anything and we ask it in the name of Jesus, that he's going to give it to us. Amen? You know what it means to ask in the name of Jesus. I did a study on this back in the other auditorium on Wednesday nights. You know, on the name of Jesus. And most people use the name of Jesus superstitiously. They just see it as the ending to their prayer. It's a lot more than that. (laughs) It's not just the way we close our prayer out. That's religious. It's superstitious. But to ask in Jesus' name means to ask the Father just as if Jesus was the one who was asking. And to realize that our access to the Father and our access to the answer is the same as what Jesus would get. Oh, my goodness. Let me ask you, how many prayers do you think Jesus prayed that went unanswered? (laughs) When he's asking for a petition. Amen? Jesus gets what Jesus wants from the Father. I can tell you that. (laughs) So when we ask in Jesus' name, it's as if Jesus himself was asking. You know, to us, we've, we've grown up in this understanding. So it doesn't have the weight that I think it should. But to realize these guys, at the time they were hearing this, this was mind blowing. This was mind-blowing. In fact, all of their worship was done by a human mediator. They didn't even have access to the presence of God. The whole, the whole thing about the temple and the tabernacle, what it taught was that men didn't have access to God. So for then Jesus to come along and start calling God their father and say, you're not even going to ask me for anything anymore. They've been totally dependent on Jesus for everything that they would receive from God up until that point. That's why they were so distraught when he said, I'm getting ready to leave. But he said, don't worry, because now you have access to our Father. (laughs) And whatever you ask him in my name, he'll do it. Oh, man. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it. Now let's go on down here. He says in verse 25, these things I've spoken to you in figurative language, talking about him leaving and then them seeing him again. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you. Oh, man. 
Hallelujah. You know, Jesus doesn't even pray for us. I'll clean that up next week. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you don't want to miss next Sunday. That is the one, that's the message that I'm getting super excited about. But you know, we don't even pray to, here's the thing, we don't pray to Jesus and then Jesus prays to the Father. Well, I thought Jesus was praying for me. You're going to be in for a surprise. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm not going to ask the Father for you. Man, that is awesome. We don't even go to Jesus to get to the Father. We go in his name, but we have access to the Father ourselves in his name. He said, I'm not even going to ask. I'm not going to pray to the Father for you. Why? Because you have access to the Father. And if you're operating by faith, you're going to go boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and to receive grace in your time of need. You can go directly to your father in the name of Jesus and know that he hears you. And if he hears you, then you know you have what you've asked him for. How many people just pray and throw something up just hoping it's going to stick? That's not faith. <laughs> That's not faith. No, he wants us to have confidence and assurance, just like a child goes to their earthly father and asks for something. That kind of, they don't, they're not, uh, they're not worried about going and asking. They're going to ask. A little child is just going to ask. And we have to realize the, that we have a relationship with God, a father and son relationship with God to where we have access to go to him on our own and ask him. And listen, it's his good pleasure. Oh, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Hallelujah. So don't miss next week. We're going to be talking about the intercession of Jesus and what that truly means because it's not us praying to Jesus, him turning and asking the Father. We have an audience with the Father ourselves in Jesus' name. So let's look at something else. Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> Remember last week, Jesus talked about, we said first he talks about what prayer is not. And I talked about how that many times we have to unlearn things before we're even ready to truly learn how to operate in the things of God? Well, this, uh, this passage of Scripture has given a lot of people the wrong idea about how you petition God. And I talked about last week, you know, Jesus said that you're not going to be heard for your much speaking. But how many people think you've just got to You've just got to bombard heaven with your petition. And their idea, here's the idea about it. It's not wrong to keep praying, but the reason why they feel that way is because they think they're having to persuade God or convince him to move him from a place of unwillingness to willingness to answer our prayer. And that is totally and absolutely wrong. But this passage of Scripture, a lot of people believe that's what it's saying. In fact, I want to read this in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 7 first. It says, And Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend 
and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. You know, a lot of people have thought God's that way. And one of the reasons why is because people teach this passage of Scripture as a comparison. God's the friend. (laughs) But this passage of Scripture isn't a comparison. It's a contrast. It's showing what God is not like. It's not showing us what God is like. In fact, when Jesus starts this out, he says, which of you shall have a friend? Let me ask you this. Who would have a friend like that? Which one of you would want a friend to where if you were in need, you couldn't go to them anytime and that they would be, wouldn't be willing to help you out with what's going on in your life? How many of you would have a friend like that? All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> Think about it that way. Jesus is asking them, who of you would have a friend that you go to at midnight in need and you've had someone come a long ways and they're hungry and you're just asking for a few loaves of bread that they would say, hey, I'm already in bed. A lot of people think that way about God. I'm, already, I'm not able to meet your need right now. Come back later. God isn't like that. In fact, when you begin to look at this, he's saying, who would have a friend like that? For a friend of mine has come to me, in verse 6, on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, don't trouble me. You know, it says uh, in the next verse, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, this is New King James, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And the word in the King James there is actually importunity. And if you look at it in the original language, it just means unashamed. It means unashamed. But people have taken that word and they've translated it like here, persistence. And they say because he just kept knocking, he just kept asking, that the friend just decided, I'm just going to go ahead and give him what he needs because I want him to leave me alone. Man, how many people have had that idea about God? In fact, if you look at the story, he never, it never does say that he knocked again. It never says that he asked again. You know, I was thinking about it like this. He might have said, well, what kind of friend are you? doesn't say that he asked again or that he knocked again. What kind of friend are you? He was unashamed in his asking. I think that's where a lot of believers are. They're ashamed. They've been made to be ashamed to ask for things that the Father is willing to give them. Man, I was thinking about this in terms of uh, fulfilling the vision that God has given to the church. And I was thinking about, you know, whenever we receive from God, because this is how prayer works. It doesn't start with us, it starts with God. And through our intimacy and communion with God, he begins to reveal to us things he wants to do. And then we pray, giving legal access 
depending on him to provide the wisdom and the resources to bring it to pass. That's how we give access to the Father to be involved in us, bringing to pass what he wanted. He's the one who made us aware of something that he wanted. When it comes to, came to building that building, God said, I want a building to house these youth in. I'm expecting a big harvest, and I want you to have a place to bring them, to train them, to teach them, to raise them up, to mature them in spiritual things so they can go out and they can bring an experience of heaven in their world. You know, it doesn't start with us, it starts with God. But then if we're dependent on him, we're going to pray that he give us the wisdom and the resources to bring it to pass. And we're going to trust in him that he's going to do that, right? Amen. Amen. So that's how, we, that's how we enter into that. And then he brings those things and we're able to fulfill what he desires. It doesn't, belong, it doesn't start with us. It starts and it ends with him. And we're just the channel that he works through. Amen. But so many people, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, is that the world has tried to make the church ashamed when it comes to finances. When it comes to, to money matters, the, church, the world has tried to make the church ashamed. But God wants us to be unashamed. And one of the reasons we don't go boldly with our petitions, and what's crazy is we're only asking God to provide the resources for the vision that he's the one that gave us in the first place. I'm telling you, the things that God is telling us that he wants to do, they're going to be done. They are going to be done, and we are going to be unashamed in asking the Lord to give us what we need and more, because he wants it more than we do. But we've been made to feel unashamed to even ask for things, and God wants us to be unashamed. He wants us to be unashamed, because the devil's going to come along and go, God can't give you that. He's, he's not... That's, that's just too petty for God to even get involved with. And besides, you greedy thing, what are you asking for that for anyway? That's the devil's voice. That's the devil's voice. And we got to be unashamed to say, <laughs> we got to be unashamed to say, our father, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about even this guy because he was unashamed in his asking that even a friend who was reluctant to meet his need would finally give in. But that's not the way God is. See, look, read on in verse 9. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, <laughs> ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock and it will be open to you, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now listen to this. If a son asks for bread from any father among you. So think about this. He's gone from friend to father. Oh, come on. You may, I don't think you got that. 
The contrast is asking a friend. But we don't go to God and ask him to answer our prayers because he's our friend. (laughs) He's our father. (laughs) Come on now. See, that's what he's saying is you wouldn't even want a friend who you couldn't go to. You wouldn't even want a friend that you couldn't go to and ask for bread and have them answer your request. You wouldn't even have a friend like that. He says, if any of you ask bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. How much more is God willing to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You say, well, you were talking about resources. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. If he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, which is the greatest gift just by our asking, then these lesser things are a sure thing that if we ask him in the name of Jesus, he's going to meet our needs. You know, Romans 8, 32 says if he did not, uh, that if he gave us his only son, will he not along with him give us all things? Man, what I want you to get is we have to be confident. We got to quit allowing condemnation and the devil to cause us to be ashamed to ask for things that God wants in our life. So a father, how many of you would have a friend like that? But we're not talking about asking a friend. We're talking about father over friend. We're talking about our fathers. So this, this talk about you just got to keep asking, keep asking, keep on God. Get other people to come together. Maybe we can get enough pressure on God that he'll just go ahead and give us what we ask for because he don't want us to keep bothering him with it. I mean, that's the way that's taught. It's not, here, here's what I want you to see. It's not our persistence of asking. It's our persistence of faith. See, faith is the law that governs asking. God doesn't answer uh, our prayers. He, he answers our prayers based on covenant relationship. He's our father. We're his sons and daughters. It's his good pleasure to give his children the kingdom. And he answers... We receive it based on operating in biblical principles. And we bring the, what's in the unseen into the seen by cooperating with the laws that govern that. And one of the laws, and the main law, I would say, is the law of faith. You know, Romans 3.27 introduces us to the law of faith. So turn to Mark 11. Mark 11. See, that's why our experience isn't going to exceed our expectation. 
Because the law that governs petition prayers is faith. It's faith. And one of the things I talked about last week is we, we put our faith in, on the promise, and that's good, but ultimately the object of our faith is the one who made the promise. And our relationship with him as father and son is what gives me the confidence and the assurance of his willingness. And then my operating according to the biblical principle gives me the assurance that he hears me and that he gives me what I've asked for. Okay, so in Mark 11, and uh, this is, you know, everybody is so familiar with this. Brother Hagin, you know, a lot of people believe Brother Hagin made this up, but actually he got a revelation of it from Jesus. But this is when Jesus and his disciples were walking to Jer- into Jerusalem and he cursed the fig tree. We know the story. And the next day when they came back by the fig tree, they noticed that the fig tree had withered but from the roots. So when Jesus spoke and cursed the fig tree, things happened in the unseen before they happened in the seen. Oh, man. That's something we're going to have to get is that when we, so many people disregard their prayer because they're not having faith that God heard them and answered because things are happening in the unseen. I'm getting ahead of myself. So in, uh, <clears throat> in verse 23, this verse is the faith principle. This tells us how faith works. Okay, so Jesus says to them, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You know, one of the things about um, where it says does not doubt in his heart, you know, a lot of people struggle with that because they think, oh, well, if I have a doubt come into my mind, I've just, I've just entered into doubt and I'm going to cause my prayer not to be answered. It's actually talking about, when you look at it in the Greek, it's the word diakrino, and it means with judgment. So what he's talking about is if you are condemned in your heart, you're not going to be able to trust that God would answer your prayer. If you're condemned in your heart, you're not... See, because everybody, if I asked here, everybody who's a believer would say that God is able. But where we would see a difference is, is he willing? Everybody believes God can do whatever he wants to do. I mean, God is large and in charge. There's nothing that's too hard for him. He's preeminent. He's above all. He is God Almighty. There's none beside him. There's none that even compare to him. He's the creator of everything. So we don't struggle in regard to can God meet this need. We struggle in regard to will he do it for me? <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying. The only because listen, the same spirit, the same power, the same anointing, the same authority that Jesus Christ had and operated in is inside of every born again, spirit filled believer. So we have the potential. In fact, man, we need to we need to take the limits off. We have the potential to do everything Jesus did. I, 
I'm telling you, we have the potential to do everything Jesus did because Jesus didn't do miracles as God. He did them as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and the authority that man had on earth. And we have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same anointing, the same power, the same authority in his name to do the same works that Jesus did. Somehow we discount certain things. Oh, we can lay hands sick and see them cover. But what about rebuking a storm? What about cursing a fig tree? What about all the things that Jesus did? We have the potential. Why don't we see them? Because we don't believe that God would do it through us. That's where the rubber meets the road. Man, I'm telling you what, if somebody, God forbid, died in here this morning, and Pastor Greg said, we're going to raise this person from the dead. I guarantee you, everybody would be coming up wanting to see what was going on. But if he said, hey, you come up here, we want you to be the one to pray. All of a sudden, you'd be, <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on. What's the difference? Because you'd all be wanting to see him do it. But if we called you out and said, you come do it, all of a sudden your, your excitement would turn to fear. Yes. What changed? Yeah. It's not because God's, you know, it's because you don't believe God would do it through you or for you. That's because we're condemned in our hearts. That reveals our unbelief. It reveals the fact that we are condemned in our heart and we don't truly believe in the relationship that Jesus reconciled us fully to the Father and there's no separation between God and man. Mm. Mm -mm. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray... In verse 24, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So verse 23 is the principle. Verse 24 is an application to prayer. That when you pray, here's the thing we got to get about this, is that when we pray, we have to believe we receive when we pray. In fact, it says in the King James Believe you receive them and you shall have them. That's the problem is that many times there is a time period between asking and manifestation. And because we're so carnal and not spiritual that we pray and then we check for evidence in the natural and if we don't see anything, we just say, well, I guess it didn't work. Jesus cursed the fig tree and just kept walking. He cursed the fig tree and he just kept walking. You know why? Because he knew that when he prayed, he received. He never thought. In fact, when the disciples, when they came, they probably heard him say it and go, well, that's crazy. That's crazy. He just cursed the fig tree. What? What did the fig tree do to him, you know? <laughs> That's why they were so amazed when they came back by and they saw it with it. They were like, Master, you got I mean, you got to read this. Think about it. They're, Master, the fig tree you cursed is withered from the roots. Here's the thing. What, when he spoke and he cursed the fig tree, it started in the unseen. 
when we pray, if we believe we receive when we pray, we have to know that things are happening in the unseen. So we don't abort our prayer by being carnal and searching for evidence in the scene. What does Hebrews 11 and 1 say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. <laughs> if you see it, it's not faith. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Man, we have got to get to the place when we go to God and we are petitioning God for something that we believe that we receive when we pray. <clears throat> That's why I think a lot of times when it comes to things like that we're going to petition God for, we pray too quick. We really should get in the Word a while and formulate our prayers on the foundation of the Word first. That way, when we do pray, we pray in faith. Here's the thing. The reason we pray these long prayers a lot of times is because we're waiting to see the answer. We just keep praying. We're going to keep praying until we see something. Well, that just proves we didn't believe we received when we pray. Listen, the prayer of faith is short but effective. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> I say unto you, young lady, arise. <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. These are short prayers. You know, I heard somebody say uh, one time, uh, they were talking about uh, this kind of prayer, and they said, somebody said, well, I just stayed up all night and prayed. And he said, well, what a shame, because if you'd have prayed in faith, you could have went to sleep. <laughs> you know, I remember I'm thinking about a time whenever, it's been years ago, but uh, our, we got a call in the night. We were already in bed, and our grandson had gotten into some uh, heart, his daddy's heart medicine. <clears throat> and we couldn't go to the hospital. They wouldn't let us in. So they were, just they were just calling for us to pray. And so me and Rhonda just joined hands. We prayed the prayer of faith. And I went to sleep. And she was mad. She wanted to punch me. <laughs> but you know what? I believe I received. Now, if I had stayed up all night begging God and praying... To me, that would reveal that I didn't believe that I received when I prayed. Mm -mm. Do you believe you receive when you pray? If you do, then you have the petition that you've asked for. If you know you've asked according to biblical principles and you've asked your father in the name of Jesus, then there should be no questioning. Amen. Mm. I'm thinking about people going, well, what if it's not God's will? I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, that's just an excuse. That's just, <laughs> that's just an excuse to not believe God. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you will, it shall be done. (laughs) Oh, man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We have to formulate our prayers based on the word, and we have to ask in faith, because faith is what makes prayer work. Prayer doesn't make faith work. In fact, the people, you know, that's why a lot of people think, oh, well, you just got to pray all night, because you think your praying is going to get you into faith, and it won't work. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come by prayer. So prayer doesn't make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. So you got to get in faith before you pray. That means you need to go to the word. You need to get God's word on it. You get God's word on it. You formulate your prayer based on the word of God. You get in faith and what you ask, whatever you ask for. Believe and you shall receive. Amen? James says that. He says that that the man who doesn't ask in faith, let him not believe that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. Faith is what causes prayer to work. So in the faith principle, one of the things he says is, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He'll have whatever he says. And I'm going to leave you with this because we're going to pray for somebody here in a minute. And we're going to see God's miracle, work, and power released by faith into this person's body and into their situation. But I want to say this. We believe, we receive when we pray. So if you believed that you received when you prayed, what would be the next step to just ask again? No, it would be to thank God for it and to hold fast to your confession that you received when you prayed. Here's the problem is that the faith principle says that you receive what you say, not what you pray. See, if your your saying isn't in line with your praying, then you're going to get what you're saying, not what you're praying. I don't know if you caught that or not. But you can pray, and then you can say something different. You're going to have what you say. Oh, man tell you what that's that's talking about from the time you prayed and you believed you received till you see the manifestation if you walk out of there and go well i'm i'm worried because nothing happened i guess it didn't work because the faith principle says you have what you say not what you pray that means you have to hold fast to your confession that you received when you prayed That's where faith comes in. That's where faith really comes in. Can you continue to say and believe that you received when you prayed, even if there's no evidence of a manifestation of what you prayed for? Amen? So we got to make sure that our saying is in line with our praying. We cannot violate the laws that govern prayer and then blame God for the outcome. 
That is so much of what we do is we violate the laws either out of ignorance or just not being disciplined. And then we want to blame God for the lack of the results. Oh, man. We just need to know his will. We need to ask in faith. We need to hold fast to our confession. We need to continue to say the same thing that we prayed and hold fast to it until we see the manifestation of what we prayed. Amen. And that's how we're going to see it on earth as it is in heaven. Because listen, we are the determining factor. That's what we got to get. We are the determining factor. The lack of results has nothing to do with God's willingness. The lack of results has nothing to do with God's willingness. It has to do with our ignorance. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Father, just help us. Reveal to us your word, your truth, your principles. Oh, I thank you, Father God, that we have an audience with you. Hallelujah. I thank you that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and to receive your grace to help in our time of need, that we will see your will, hallelujah, manifest in our lives according to our faith, Father God. And we not only know that, it's, that you're able, but that you are willing, that it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Oh, we thank you for it. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine, hallelujah, according to his power that is at work within us through the spirit of faith? I just want Jerry to come. Come on up here, brother. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah. We're going to release faith when we pray. Just come on around. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to call you all to be, to be active and stand as we get ready to pray. Hallelujah. That we all be in agreement in faith. Hallelujah. That we release our faith when we pray. Hallelujah. And we rejoice and thank the Lord for the answer ahead of time. Pastor, you going to pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's give him a shout of praise in this place. Thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Healthy and whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, as we get ready to dismiss, I just want to remind you, listen, if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, same thing. He's already provided salvation. And you, by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and be born again into the family of God and receive of his Holy Spirit, which he freely gives, just the same as he freely gives salvation. And if there's any of you here this morning that are struggling with any kind of sickness, disease, depression, uh, any kind of uh, disorders, addictions, anything like that, the Father himself loves you, and he wants you to be free. In fact, he's already provided for your freedom. We're going to have ministers up here in the front, so we want to invite you to come. And uh, let someone minister to you and you walk out of here rejoicing because you've been delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.